All right, so we are nearing the end of our series, and our, the last series in the Gospel of John. We've been here 20 months, and we're nearing the end of our series in the Gospel of John, and today we arrive at a very, very, very important text about what it means to follow Jesus. And what we've been saying, so last week we said, we are like sheep, and we are stuck in the forest, and we are longing to get to the green pastures. It's the deepest desires of our hearts, yet all we keep doing is getting further and further into the forest. We're getting deeper and deeper into the forest, stuck, unable to get out. It's in, it's gripped us. It's like the grip of hell has us. But then we see there is a great shepherd who has come for us. And today we're going to look at what does it mean to follow him, to follow our great shepherd. And we're going to do this. Essentially what we're saying today is you follow what you love. You follow what you love, and we're going to to say this three ways. So first, you obey what you follow. Second, you follow what you worship. And then third, you worship what you love. You got it? So you follow, you obey what you follow, you follow what you worship, and you worship what you love. So first one, you obey what you follow. The whole theme here is about following. So Peter starts following Jesus, and then John, the other disciple, starts following behind him. And Peter looks back and looks at him and starts talking about how John is following him. And then Jesus says to Peter, Peter, stop worrying about John. He essentially says to him, Peter, shut up and just follow me. Stop worrying about everything else that's happening around you and just follow me. So the question for us today is what does it mean for us? What does it mean for you to follow Jesus? And there are verse, I mean, the Bible is littered with verses about what it means to follow after God. So let me read some to you. Deuteronomy 5.33 says, Walk in obedience to all the Lord has commanded you. First. Second, Psalms 119, verse 33. Direct my footsteps according to your word. In Matthew, Jesus is having this conversation with this guy, and this guy says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, oh, well, it's easy. Just sell everything that you have, give the money to the poor, and come and follow me. Give up everything and come and follow me. So let me just give you a summary of all, I mean, there's verse after verse. So let me just give you a summary of what it seems that the Bible is saying about what it means to follow Jesus. To follow him means to go to him knowing that if you lose everything, you still have him and he is enough. No matter what you walk through, you have him and he is enough. That's what it means to follow him. Another thing that means to follow him is it simply means you obey him. You're following him, you're learning from him, you're doing the things he's calling you to do. Third, It means you surrender to him. You will never follow him like you're meant to follow him. You'll never understand what it means. I mean, you can look at Christianity from a distance and guess what it's like, but you're never going to know what it's really like to be a Christian until you completely surrender everything to him. 
At that, it's just a guessing game until you do that. Until you say to him, I'm fully yours. All that I have, all of who I am, all the ones that I love, all of my stuff, everything. It's not mine anymore. It's yours. I have surrendered myself to you. So right now, Jesus tells this dude, it says, hey, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, oh, again, it's simple. Just sell everything you have, give the money to the poor, and come and follow me. Now, this guy cannot do it. And then this conversation happens between Jesus' disciples and him, and they say to him, Jesus, like, what's going on here? And Jesus says, it's easier for a rich person No, it's easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than a rich person to get to heaven. Now, he's talking about all of us, by the way. He's not just talking about rich people. What he's saying, have you ever seen a camel before? Maybe not in real life, but it's a lot bigger than the eye of a needle. And so how in the world is a camel going to fit through the eye of a needle? It's not going to do it. What Jesus is saying is it is impossible. You are like sheep who long to get to the green pasture lands. It's the deepest desire of your heart. And if you want to get there, it's like a camel going through the eye of a needle. What he's saying is you can't do it. It's impossible. Then he says, but I can do it for you. He's saying he's the shepherd. Go to him and he will take you there. He's saying stop trying to figure out, to navigate how you get to heaven. You can't do it. What he's saying is this doesn't work. So one thing to do, simple, just surrender to me. Surrender all of you, all of yourself to me is what he's saying. Whatever I ask you to do, just do it. Just trust me. I know what I'm talking about. Obey me. Listen to me. And He says, I'm going to ask you to do some things that seem crazy to you. Do it. Don't hesitate. Just listen to me. Just surrender to me. See, there's a a confusion that you might be happening right now. You might say, okay, so if I obey obey Jesus, then I'm going to get to heaven. Is this what they're saying? These green pastures that I long for, do I get there through my obedience? No. You get there through your surrendering to him. Obedience is just a byproduct. It's just something you do because you've surrendered to him and you're following him now. The path to the green pastures is not by your effort. It's by your surrendering. If it is by your effort, you will get exhausted. You will not be able to do it. And you're going to start hating God because he's basically saying, live like this if you want to get to heaven, and you're saying, I can't do it, but I'm trying, and you're going to begin to hate him until you realize that he has come and done everything that's required of you to bring you into the green pasture lands of heaven, and then you say, oh, all of who I am is yours. Give up everything, your effort. I mean, you want to know what it means to follow Jesus? Giving up yourself to him. There's a verse that says, I am not my own anymore. I have been bought with a price. Give up everything, your effort, your stuff, your life. Saying, your life is not your own anymore. You say, take me and do with me whatever you want. And then here's what you say, oh man, that sounds horrible. Ah, no. 
Because as soon as you do that, he wraps you up like the shepherd and he takes you right in to the green pastures of paradise. Or at least he starts bringing you there. Because we're in the forest still, but he's taking us there. And, And that's the thing, we're in the forest. So we're on this path towards the green pastures, but it might be hard, but he's taking you there. Do you see that? There is, there is struggle in this world, but you have a shepherd who is taking you to the green pastures. See, what you kind of want to do is you just kind of want to create your own little bunker in, in this forest and just make sure everything is okay in your life in this world. And the green pastures are that way, and he's bringing you there. But as he's bringing you, there's suffering and there's struggle along the way. Because you've got to push through the thorns and you've got to push through all the stuff that's scratching you. But through it all, it's the green pastures. It's to say, I give up, God. I'm at your mercy. But that is a good thing because he's a merciful God. There's a scene in one of the Harry Potter movies where Harry Potter... And don't, if you don't know these movies, just go watch them, okay? So Harry Potter and his mentor Dumbledore. And Dumbledore, they're about to go do something, and Dumbledore says to Harry Potter, you have to do whatever I ask you to do. You have to promise me that. Do whatever I say to you. Surrender to my will. So they go into this thing, and then they come back, and they're in this tower. And then they hear somebody coming, and Dumbledore says to, to Harry Potter, go underneath, do not speak Do not say anything. Do not let anybody know that you are here no matter what. Trust me. Trust me. Submit to my will. Submit to what I'm telling you to do right now. Surrender to me. And he says, okay. So he goes underneath. And then one of Dumbledore's friends comes up. And sorry to give this away, but it kills Dumbledore. I've ruined the movie for you now. I'm sorry if you've not seen it. And so this happens, and then Harry Potter is so angry that he has listened and surrendered to the will of his mentor because by doing this, Dumbledore has just died. And then later we find out this was the plan that Dumbledore made with his friend, that his friend would kill Dumbledore. Gosh, I'm giving away so much. I'm so sorry. And he goes, and, and, and we find out that this was the plan so that this great evil would get defeated. And if Harry Potter had have known this all along, it would have been horribly dangerous for him. And so they kept it from him. And he had no idea what was going on. All the while, Dumbledore was saying, surrender to me, surrender to me, surrender to me. Sometimes our surrendering to God makes no sense at all. And we say, what in the world is going on right now? But in the end, we understand. To follow Jesus is to do whatever he tells you to do, no matter what. Because in the end, he has this amazing plan of bringing you through the forest into the green pastures. And he's taking you through the forest, and you know what he's doing? He's taking you down paths that you would never go. He's saying, go this way. And you're like, that doesn't seem right. Really? Like that, that way looks like it's going to hurt bad. That way looks like I'm going to have to give up a bunch of stuff. I shouldn't be doing this. Or we're saying, uh, I'm going to go this way, Jesus. It's not really that big of a deal. You want me to get there, and I'm just going to go around this way to get there. And what he's saying is, no, you've got to trust me because here's the deal. He's got a bird's eye view of your life. 
He's got a bird's eye view of where you are and where the green pastures are, and he's taking you there. And we want to say, see, our problem is we see what's right in front of us. And he's got the bird's eye view, and he's saying, surrender to me and my will for you because I know what I'm talking about. We say, oh, Jesus, you can't be right about this. And he's got the bird's eye view. Saying, here's what's next. Here's what's next. Here's what's next. Or the sin that you keep wanting to do. I've got a bird's eye view, he's saying. This is not good for you. Saying, surrender to me. Okay, so then you might be saying, all right, so is this just like blind faith that's completely unreasonable. Like, are you telling me I have to abandon all reason? Is that an alarm going off? I think it was. Are you telling me that I have to abandon all reason and just blindly follow? No, that's not what this is. I'll tell you what this is. This is called worship. This is called worship. Or you're saying... Ah, man, I really like, that sounds great to just be able to surrender to him fully, but I can't seem to do it. Here's why. Because you have a worship problem. We all do. This is our second point. You follow what you worship. So you obey what you follow. Now you follow what you worship. So Jesus says, follow me and stop looking around at everybody else around you. Stop looking around at what's happening to you and just fix Fix your eyes upon me. Keep your eye, look, 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 watch this. Keep your eyes on his great worth. See, because what's happening is you're in the forest and you're seeing all the stuff that should be scaring you, that's like haunting your greatest fears. And he's saying, stop looking around at that stuff and look at me. What he's saying is, I'm of greater worth than everything else around you, so remember that, fix your eyes on me, this is what worship is. You're keeping your eyes on your shepherd because you're in awe of him and who he is and what he has done. And here's what happens. You become so in awe of him, you're fixing. This is what he's saying to Peter as Peter's looking all around back at John. He's saying, no, fix your eyes on me. Look, here's what's happening. You've got your eyes fixed on your fears. You've got your eyes fixed on your problems, on your insecurities, on the people around you that you're competing with because that's what Peter's doing. Peter's competing with John. And Jesus is saying, just fix your eyes on me. I'm greater. Deuteronomy 13.4 says, it is the Lord your God you must follow and you must, and he you must revere. Meaning you make him the object of your worship. It means you get lost in how great he is. You know, now, listen, my guess is that most of us did not come here that way today. Most of us came here in a way of saying, okay, I know I should come today, so I'm going to come, and I'm going to hope that God's going to draw me into worship. Man, it would be so great, though, if all of life is we were just following so closely to him that we were constantly in awe of him, and we didn't need to do things out of duty, but we were constantly doing things out of delight in him. 
This means you lose yourself in him. And here's what happens. When you lose yourself in him, you find who you really are. See, because surrendering to God might be different than what you're thinking because you might be thinking, oh man, I'm going to surrender to him and then oh, it's just a life of like sacrifice that is just like draining and there's no reward in this, but the reward is way in the future. I know, I got to believe that. That's not what we're talking about here. This is a surrendering that says, here's everything that I have, it's yours. And he says, okay, here's me. And he's the great delight of our soul. It's a loss that comes with an even greater gain. You lose everything to find something so much greater. And it's not necessarily that you lose everything, but you give it to him. That's, and see, this is what worship is. It's finding the object of great worth to you. So, the great treasure and worth is Christ. And then you follow him as the object of great worth. See, Peter's problem is he was not caught up in Jesus' great worth. And so he looks back at John. He starts looking around. See, because here's what just happened. Jesus just said to Peter, Peter, you're going to die for following me. You're going to die for following me. And Peter starts, I'm sure, freaking out and like, oh, okay, I'm going to die for following you. What about John? He's right back there. Is John going to die or what's going to happen? How am I going to die? Is this going to be horrible? What's going to happen to me? What's going to happen to him? And he starts having this panic attack and Jesus is saying, Peter, follow me. You have your eyes fixed on something else. You have your worship upon something else. You are in fear because you are worshiping something else. Fix your eyes on me. And if you do, your anxiety, your stress, your fear will subside. I'm more worthy than John, he's saying, so fix your eyes on me. I'm more worthy than whatever else is happening in your life, so fix your eyes on me. What has your attention? What has your mind enslaved? What are you anxious about? What are you scared of? Your problem, my problem, we keep worshiping the wrong things, the wrong thing. And it makes us anxious. It makes us fearful. It, 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 is locking, it is locking our mind into being a slave to something. So here's the question you've got to answer. If you obey what you follow and you follow what you worship, so you say, okay, well, what am I worshiping them? Well, it's easy. Just look at your actions. Look at the things that you are doing, and they are hints that are screaming to you what you are worshiping. So look at the things that you do, and you say, why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? And you follow the trail, and eventually you arrive at the object that you think is worth more than anything else in your life. What it, whatever that object is, Jesus is saying, trade it for me. Not that that object isn't great. It could be a great thing, but you've turned it into your God. You've turned it into the ultimate thing. If you found 
a great treasure. So you're in the forest. We're sheep and we're in the forest. If you found a great treasure in this forest, here's what you're going to do. Oh, I got this great treasure. I want to keep this treasure, so what am I going to do? Well, I'm going to obey whatever I need to obey in order to keep this treasure. And so you're going to take this path to keep this treasure and this path to keep this treasure, and you're going to hold it and lock it down and make sure nothing steals this away from you. And this is the problem with every other treasure but Christ. Every other treasure will run from you. Every other treasure gets lost from your grip. It's only Christ who will never leave you or forsake you. Him and him alone. Because he's the only shepherd that's come to find you. You know, we think of treasure and we're thinking of something that we've got to go find, that we've got to go search for, that we've got to go somehow earn our way to getting. If we do enough of the right stuff, we're going to find this great treasure. And he is the only treasure that comes and pursues you. In fact, you got probably have this treasure chasing behind you, trying to run you down, and you're running away from it. And he's the great shepherd who's coming after you, like this big pot of gold or something. He's like carrying it and running with it, and he's chasing you. And you're like, where's the gold? Where's the gold? And he's right behind you chasing it after you, with, with it, chasing after you. But the prize is not the gold, the prize is him. He's come for you. And your fear is because you're worshiping something other than him. You're scared of losing it. See, you've got this treasure that could easily escape your grip. You're anxious because you're scared of losing it. Or maybe, maybe you're worshiping your kids. Now, okay, if you worship your kids, you're going to have total anxiety, but kids give you anxiety anyways, okay? I understand that. However, listen, if your kids are the object of great worth to you, the great, like, they should be of great worth to you, okay? Don't misunderstand me, but if they are the ultimate object of worth for you, here's what happens. You got to make them smart enough, and you got to make them good enough, and you got to make them healthy enough, or... You just give them to Jesus and let him care for them. Because he's more worthy than you are. And, and by the way, if they are your great treasure, what are you going to give them that's going to be greater than themselves? Because you want to bless them. You want them to have a great life or whatever. So what is, what is the great thing that you're going to give them? Well, your greatest treasure that you have is them. So you say, okay, well, here, I'm going to give you yourself. Well, they're like, thank you. If you make Jesus your greater treasure, you have something greater to give them than themselves. And you'll be giving them what they need most, him. And then here's the other thing that happens. You begin to give them space to become who Jesus wants them to be, not who you want them to be. I know I'm poking you a little bit, parents. I'm sorry, but I'm not. And here's what else happens. If they're your great treasure, you crush them under the weight of your expectations of them. Because you need from them what only Jesus can give you. And you go to them like, feed me, because you're the shepherd. 
I mean, your kids essentially become your shepherd when they're your great treasure, and you go to them in need, and you begin to crush them under the weight of your expectations of them. But what ends up happening is if you will make Jesus your treasure, and we'll get to this later, but I'll just give you a little sneak peek. If you make Jesus your treasure, you become a better parent to them because you have more to give them. We'll get to that. And maybe, and we talk about this a lot. Maybe you're saying, David, oh man, you keep talking to me about how I'm making my kids my great treasure and I'm making them kind of the God of my life and I realize I'm doing it, but when are you going to stop talking about it? And I'll, I will say this, I will stop talking about it when we start living like we believe Jesus is really our great treasure. And I'm poking myself here as well. Now, so that's the kids. Perhaps it's this. Perhaps you're chasing after this really comfortable life. You think, if I could just make this much money or have this kind of house or have this kind of job or with this kind of car and with this much money in, my, in the bank and have my kids at this school and we live in this neighborhood, then everything's going to be good. Everything's going to be okay. And what happens is we're chasing this idea of the good life. And then we begin to obey the things that are necessary in order to give us this good life that we have in our mind. And guess what we've just done? We formed our own view of the kingdom of God, except we've made it our own kingdom. And so in order to get our own kingdom to come, we have to obey the things that we need to get our kingdom to come. And then next thing you know is you've made a series of decisions and God's kingdom is way over here and your kingdom is right here. And things are not, you are, you are missing out on God right now because you're building your own kingdom. This idea of the good life, and God has such a greater idea of what the good life is for you. And it involves Jesus as your great treasure. You obey what you follow. You follow what you worship. And then the third point is you worship what you love. That's why Jesus says to Peter, he gives him a little quiz and he says, Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, yeah, I do. And he says, good, then follow me. Because you follow what you love. Second, and watch this, you follow what you love. Now, 2 Thessalonians 3, 5 says, may the Lord direct, so Jesus, may Jesus direct your hearts into God's love. He's talking, so this is the Father here. So may Jesus direct your hearts into God's, the Father's love. You know what that means? So you, are, you, you follow Jesus because you love him. So you love him. And where does he take you? He takes you right into the Father's love. And then here's what happens. You know, there's a Bible verse that says, we love because he first loved us us. So he, again, is the shepherd, and he's loving us first, and then we're loving him, and then here's what, watch what happens. You know, we begin to, you know the Bible verse that says the main thing is to love God and love others? That does not work unless first we have found the great shepherd. Here's why. Because if we love because God first loved us, and here's what happens. The shepherd brings us to the Father who loves us. Beyond what we could expect. Then that love showered upon us, 
and now we begin to love because it's like an alien love has now been deposited in us. It's a love that's from outside of this world that's come into this world. It's come into us to dwell among us and in us, and then we become like wells that are overflowing with this love, and we start loving the people around us because God first loved us, because a shepherd has come. Here's the thing. I mean, we want to be happy, right? And the reason that we struggle so hard to find happiness and can't seem to hold it, like it, happiness seems to like slip out of our hands like water when you try to grip it. That's because we're not following him. And I'm not talking about you follow him and you get everything you want. I'm talking about the kind of happiness where you can lose everything and still say, oh, you're still enough, God. I'm still happy somehow. I'm still content. There is still something inside of me, a joy that is pushing through even in the midst of me losing everything because you have the treasure of infinite worth who will not leave you or forsake you with you and he is always enough, so then you can always say, I have enough. You say to the world, do your worst to me. I still have enough. In the Psalms, it says, delight yourself in the Lord. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. In other words, love God, and you'll be satisfied. Fix your affections upon him, and he will deliver. Direct your worship upon him, and you will be satisfied. So how do you do that? Like, okay, I want to worship him. How do I do it? Do I just do I lift up my hands when the song is going on? Like, what do I do? You surrender to him. We all surrender to something. But will the thing that we are surrendering to satisfy the deepest desires of our heart? And the answer is the only one who will ever do that is Jesus Christ because he is the only one who is a shepherd, the treasure who chases you down. Surrender your life. If you surrender to your life to an earthly love, you at best have earthly pleasures. I mean, this makes sense. But if you will surrender your life to Christ, you have the eternal, infinite God of infinite worth that you have surrendered yourself to, and he brings you not to the pleasures on the earth, but to the pleasures of heaven. And here's what happens. When you become a Christian, the pleasures of heaven begin to invade you right now. And maybe it feels like a slow drip, and maybe it is, but it's the beginnings of new life. And even when you're walking through the forest, he can give you the pleasures of the life that is to come in him, by going to him. In him, you can walk through the suffering of the forest. I mean, there's suffering in this world. There's pain in this world. And still be satisfied if you make him the delight of your soul. Because he always delivers. And look, okay. 
let's not pretend this isn't this doesn't feel like a risk because it does. It feels like the riskiest thing you could ever do. But if you, for, you surrender your life to Christ and make him your great love, you risk losing everything. But in the end, your risk finds its great reward in Christ, the great shepherd. And he's more than anything our feeble little minds could imagine. And this is the great problem, because we come here, and we're coming here out of a... I mean, come on. Most of us have probably come here out of a bit of duty, like, okay, I should go. But we're not coming here out of delight in him. We're not coming here because the shepherd has come to us and we're in awe of him and we're following after him in awe. We're coming here because we think we should. And the only way is to just surrender to him and see his great worth. And then coming here becomes a delight and living your life becomes a delight in him even no matter what you're walking through. See, our problem is we follow after loves that can at best fill up a house. That sounds great. Like, you, you see these slogans like, oh, this house is built on love. These are great things. Like, we want loving houses. But listen, go to him. And you find a love that the universe cannot even contain. Our universe is expanding and the reason it's expanding is because we have a God who is a creator who's of infinite worth, and so he has created a universe that's expanding, and probably because it can't hold its worth, and probably because it can't hold all the love that he has for you, so it's constantly expanding and expanding and expanding, and then it meets right at the cross. Where he says, you want to know how much I love you? Look at the cross. Will you settle? Or will you risk everything to find this great love? And fix your eyes on him. And he will not just be a delight to you, the great delight to you. But what will begin to happen is the well within you that's overflowing with his love and his joy and his peace and his patience and kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. It begins to overflow in you and you begin to give that to others. And the next thing you know, because this is happening, you are like drawing people into you and you're drawing people into Christ and they're coming to faith and you're saying, wow, this is happening to the people around me. I didn't think this could actually happen. And it's all because you're actually finally loving God and in worship of him. And you're following him knowing that he is the only one who will deliver. I, and please do not think that I'm up here like I am constantly in worship of God all the time. That's not what's happening. I am constantly fighting off all the reasons why I'm not worshiping God. And the best way that I know how to be drawn back into worship is to remind myself who the great shepherd is, what he's done. And so we say, okay, I'm, I'm missing something right now. We say, okay. The God of infinite worth, the God of infinite love, 
the God of infinite glory and majesty, has left the pasture lands of paradise and come into the forest to come and get me. And to get me, to buy me, to purchase me back from the loves that I have sold myself to, from the things that I am worshiping, that I sold myself to, that I lost myself in. He purchases me back from them with his life. And then he rises from the grave so he could be our great shepherd who brings us into the pasture lands of paradise. Oh, man. If we can just fix our eyes on him. It feels impossible to find him sometimes. I know that. So what do we do? We just keep reminding ourselves and reminding ourselves. And all of the Old Testament, the whole point is remember what he has done for you because we are forgetful people. So remember and remember and remember. And then you will follow him. You will obey him because you're following him. You'll be following him because you're worshiping him. And you'll be worshiping him because you love him. One of the best ways for us to show our love for God is through communion. Because here's what's happening in communion. We're saying, we are at your mercy, God. We are hungry, and we have not found the food that will satisfy us. And so communion is saying, God, you are our great satisfaction. You are the only one who will satisfy the deepest desires of my heart. And so we take communion to say, that is you, God. And it reminds us, because we're eating we're going to things. We're selling ourselves over to things. We're like, we're, we're eating this stuff that we're worshiping and we're not even realizing we're doing it. And so he gives us this visual, like you are eating the things that you are worshiping. Stop doing that. I'm the only one who can nourish you. This is what communion is about. Every step that you take towards communion is a step of following closer and closer to him. And in communion is meant to be a mirror to say, okay, I, I have worshipped things that are not you. I have loved things that are not you. I have delighted in things that are not you. I have obeyed things that I'm worshipping and loving. Say, I'm going to give that up right now and follow you. So, we're going to remind ourselves now when Jesus was with his disciples the ones who were following him the ones who were struggling to follow him the ones that were denying him like Peter did just the night later or that night here's what happened that night the night before he's arrested so the, the night before he's arrested he takes the bread and he says to his disciples, this is my body broken for you. Take and eat and remember that I am the shepherd who has come and died for you. And then he took the cup and he poured it out and he said, this is the cup of the promise that I have made long ago that I am the shepherd who's coming 
and I have come, and I have promised that I will fight for you as a shepherd, and I will bring you into the pasture lands of heaven. I've come to forgive you of your sins. I've come to rescue you. So what we're going to do now, we have two songs, and we have two songs playing at whatever point you feel like you feel led to go and follow Jesus. You stand up, you go back there. In the back, there's two stations back there. And you take the bread, you dip it in the cup, and you eat. There's wine and there's juice, okay? So wine and juice. If you don't want the wine, make sure you take the juice and not the wine. They're labeled. You'll figure it out. Um, All right. So let's stand and sing. And I'm going to pray for you right now that you see that there are things you are obeying and you are obeying those things because you're following them and you're following because you're worshiping and you're worshiping because you're loving them. And we're going to say, okay, let's just abandon everything and surrender completely to our shepherd. All right? God, we pray right now that we would learn how to surrender all of who we are to you. And God, the the difficulty behind it, the grip that we have on ourselves, the grip we have on our stuff, the grip we have on everything, God, I pray that you would teach us how to let go of those things so we might embrace you as the object of our great worth. God, right now, invade our hearts and show us why you are the great treasure. God, with your spirit, pursue us and pursue us and pursue us. Let us realize that you are the great shepherd or the great shepherd who is our treasure running behind us as we're chasing after all of these other treasures that we think are greater than you. And God, let us stop and turn around and embrace you. God, we want to follow you. And we're struggling to do it. So show us now, reveal to us all the reasons why we should follow you and you alone. And God, let us bring a whole party along with us. We pray all this in Jesus' name.